Welcome to the pen and the yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Anshayamit Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about this week's Torah portion, Vayera, Standing Up for Justice. I want to start with something that happened to me recently. I got a phone call from a friend of mine who is very involved with city government. He's also uh, a religious Christian. And he occasionally t- calls to ask me about a certain Bible passage or something like that. And he says, I've been reading this story about Abraham and Sodom and Gomorrah. And do you really believe that Abraham would have stood before the maker of heaven and earth and challenged God that way? I just can't imagine it. And I said to him, I don't think I could imagine him not challenging God. And that story... And the manner in which Jews approach this text and the way that non-Jews approach the text is a very powerful one. And it's very different. Jews have a greater intimacy with God. They're willing to argue with God. But I think that that goes to the crux of what makes a Jew a Jew. What do you think? That's really interesting. I know that Christians also view God as a person, as a uh, as an individual, and maybe they don't argue as much. Part of what goes into being a Jew is, is that we're sort of trained to question and to analyze and to argue. That's part of the way we study the Torah. Do you think that seeps into our relationship with God, or is it the other way around? Does the relationship with God come first, and then that affects the way we approach Torah? Well, I think that actually that's a great question. I think they're connected. The traditional way of engaging with God was was through text, through study. Less about prayer. This has evolved and changed. But for much of our history, prayer was one way of talking to God. But the conversation became the most powerful through study, where you could argue with God. You could take a text like the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, where God informs Abraham that the outrages of Sodom and Gomorrah become such that God has no alternative but to destroy them. Abraham stands up and he says, God, I can't do that. Will not the judge of the whole world judge justly, he says? And then Abraham begins to bargain with God. So there are 50 people there. Will you still destroy? He says, no. And then Abraham says, what about 40, then 20, 10? And then 10, God says, enough. This idea that we can talk about injustices in the world with God and say, how do you explain this, is something that is very much a part of the Jewish approach to God in general. That's the whole book of Job is about. But that implies a real relationship with God. You know that you're not in relationship with a person or your relationship is at a low ebb where you don't feel like it's worth it to even bother to argue with the person. I'm, I'm just not going to bother. Okay, I, whatever you say. That's a very bad sign in any relationship, don't you think? Yeah, sure. Uh, but this is an interesting one because there's a power imbalance. This is the entity that we're praying to. We are asking God for life, for health, for peace. We are asking God for guidance, which suggests an imbalanced relationship, a, a position of superiority on one end and inferiority on the other. So how do you then go to having a conversation or to making demands or making pleas? Uh, that's fascinating when you think about the dynamics of that relationship. Well, I think it all hinges on the covenantal nature of the Jewish approach to God. If God is one thing, for God to create the heavens and the earth and then just order people around and say, do this or this, or else I'll destroy you. But rather, there is this give and take. God calls to Abraham last week and says, 
Go out from your native land to the land I will show you, and then I will make of you a great nation. I'm taking this upon myself to give you this land. So there is some sort of reciprocity here in this relationship, and that changes the whole nature of the relationship. You know, Islam, the word Islam means submission. It's about as far as a co- from a covenant as you might imagine. Christianity centers around the son and not the father, as it were, because the father and this whole covenantal idea is not the essence of Christianity. The essence of Christianity is the love of the son who gave up his life so that humanity can be redeemed. But Judaism is all about perfecting this world in covenant with God. Now, the reality is, is that sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is no. But that doesn't mean you're not allowed to be angry. We are so bereft because we don't read the book of Psalms. So the book of Psalms will, at times, thank God in the most beautiful of ways, but it will also castigate God in some very severe ways. And we're not part of that language. We don't think like that. But that's what the book of Psalms is. It's all about what kind of relationship do we want to have with God. And God is willing to have that relationship with us. But are we willing to step up without kind of feeling like we're standing like the scarecrow before Oz? And that he's just, God is just going to set out lightning bolts to kind of destroy our lives or make or torture us. But rather, this is a God who really cares about us. It's a very different relationship and a God who also wants to see us build a just society. But we're also allowed to ask God about God's justice. And that is a powerful, powerful idea. Yeah, what I, what I love about this and what I what I find most frustrating about this is the uncertainty. There's no clarity. There's no strict guidelines. There's no rules. There's no order that you must obey. How can you have God who you clearly must obey and yet who is willing to negotiate with you? And that uncertainty, that grayness is really what makes all of this possible, right? That's what makes the religion a covenant and that's what makes the study of the Torah and the arguing of the Torah so interesting. But for people who want easy answers or even you know any answers, it feels like this is a very frustrating uh, process. I think people look to religion to give them clarity, to give them a sense of order in the universe. And and this is not exactly helping all the time. I'm not sure I would agree with that. I, I think that Judaism, any religion, is a lens through which we see the world. Christianity is a very specific lens. Islam offers a lens. Buddhism offers a lens. And it orders the universe for us. Through the Jewish lens, there are things that we simply cannot explain. And that's what the book of Job kind of reminds us. There are things that are beyond our understanding. Not everything makes sense. And so you're right. There is at times a lack of clarity. But without that sense of order, you have chaos. Your life will matter as much as a blade of grass outside, right? It just happened through a fluke of nature happen to evolve as a human being. But your life and when the meaning of your life is whatever you decide it is, as opposed to the Jewish approach, which says that God has a certain vision for this world. God wants us to stand in covenant with God and help build that world, knowing that you're never going to finish the job, but that we can make the world better for the next generation. To me, that's inspiring. And yes, there are unfair things that happen, And we can call God out on them when those things happen. But the world is generally good, and we can't lose sight of that either. 
Yes, but aren't we also being asked to embrace the unknown, to acknowledge as a condition of this that we can't understand God? And that is the really the key. It's the search. It's it's trying to make the best out of your life and trying to make the world a better place while knowing that not everything is going to work the way you want and that you're not going to get the answers to all of your questions? Yeah, I think that's what it means to be human. Human beings are not God. Human beings have some aspects of God that kind of spark of the divine, the creating the image of God. But beyond that, we're just not God. So we, there's no way that you can possibly know or understand. And our understanding of justice is what human beings can understand as justice. God's understanding of justice is very different than that. And I'm willing to give God that, even if I don't agree with it, because the alternative is chaos, is a moral chaos that I'm unwilling to accept. And I think Abraham was unwilling to accept that either. I think that's what the whole story of Sodom and Gomorrah is about. Will you do this? Now, you could say, well, God already knew that there weren't 10 people, 10 decent people in Sodom and Gomorrah, and therefore the fix was in. But we see other cases where God will argue with God on behalf of the Jewish people and God will relent. And so we're not dealing with an immutable force. We're dealing with a force that is constantly balancing between mercy and justice. And I think that's a very important aspect, that part of our relationship with God is to move God towards greater mercy. But how do we do that? Through our actions, through caring for others, through setting an example Abraham sets an example of justice, and God follows that. So in a way, Judaism is even saying something even more radical, and that is that we can move God towards justice. We can create in this world within God a different outcome. That's a very powerful idea that we can do as a nation, and I don't really find that in other religious systems, this notion that I can impact God for the good. And that's really at the heart of the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, that God is willing to be open to that conversation and be moved by us. But at the same time, we have to allow ourselves to be moved by God. Yeah, that's really powerful. And the idea that Abraham even feels entitled, feels like it's worth trying to plead with God is a powerful statement of, in and of itself that we need to be participating. We need to be advocating. No question. And I think that this this lesson is especially true in our own society, that if we're not willing to stand up to the authorities in our world around us, uh, how can we expect to stand up to God? And uh, when we're too accepting or too fearful, that's when real injustice and real evil can be expressed in a whole variety of ways. Yeah, we have a duty to try to make the world a better place. Right, but that, that means you have to have a backbone to do it. That's right. I'd love to be able to say, yes, I would do what Abraham does, but I think Abraham sets the example of what it means to stand up to the authority of the world in this particular case, but authority in general, and plead for justice, plead for equity, plead for righteousness. And I think that's a powerful lesson for our day. Yeah, because all too often we feel like it's never going to work. I'm just one small person. What good am I? What difference am I going to make? And it's easy to justify it that way and to get complacent. Right. And we're using things all too often as excuses to not get involved as opposed to getting involved. And we pay a price for that as well. Well, Jonathan, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Rabbi. <laughs> 